0: Welcome to the Sometimes I Struggle podcast where it's the podcast about all of the things that we struggle with and talking about it in good company as a form of therapy. And if you don't struggle with anything, you're lying to yourself. So I am excited today. Where do I begin? My guest today, um, I met her a while back virtually and it was during a time where we had just come off the death of... Ahmaud Auberry, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, which led to protests in Minneapolis and which spread across the country. And I was just emotionally spent. And on top of that, we were in the middle of a pandemic. That's, that's the backdrop. So what seemed like at the height of that, I decided to participate in a racial equity challenge. So on top of everything else that's going on, and I'm full, full of emotions, thinking about race, social injustice, I want to sign up for a racial justice uh, challenge. And I did. And doing so was one of the best decisions because from that, I got a chance to get different perspectives that I might not have gotten otherwise. And I had the chance to kind of step outside of myself and see varying points of views from the lives and perspectives of others. And also I had the chance to meet some really great women and learn from them and we still keep in touch to this day, and I am honored to have one of them with me today. Now this lady is an amazing lady when we started the challenge, it was evident that she was a truly compassionate person and she wasn't just there to kind of witness it she was there to experience it. And her and I, we had some dialogue back and forth, and it was a it was a learning and a teachable moment. And I think about it often in my interactions with others. Um, currently, in just for a few more days, she is the associate vice president of annual giving and membership at the National World War II Museum in New Orleans and she does a lot of great work there and i'm excited about all of the things that she's doing there but i'm even more excited about her new venture that's coming up in just a few more days where she will be an advocate for social justice at the national urban league headquarters in new york and she will be their vice president of corporate partnerships Amazing. So when everything opens back up, I'll be doing a podcast from New York in our office. I'm going to bombard and take over. So without further ado, and I'm so glad that she took some time out of her busy schedule today to join me. I'd like to welcome Miss Lee Thorpe.
1: Hi, Lee. Hi, Tanisha, how are you?
0: <laughs> I am well. It is so good to see you. You look amazing. I'm so happy and excited for all of the things that you're doing. And I'm happy that you joined me here on the podcast today. Oh, me you too. Know, I was so excited been, when you asked. <laughs> how have things been going with you?
1: They're good. Um, there um, there have been a lot of changes, as I know we just touched on a little bit. But we did that um, incredible racial equity challenge back in June when I think things were COVID was in full effect, but we really just didn't know when we were gonna get out of it. And so then you've got this situation compounded from everything going on with um, you know, COVID-19 and then the effects of the incredible racial injustice that's been occurring in our country that is it's been occurring in our country for hundreds of years. Unfortunately, it's taken this long to get them out um, into the vernacular of people's conversations, which is unfortunate, but I'm glad it happened. Um, and so with the Association of Junior Leagues International, both you and I are members of the Junior Leagues in our respective cities. I'm in um, New Orleans and they are were hosting this really great 21 day racial equity challenge, which was an opportunity to not only spend every single day for three weeks, just making sure that we knew about the, the history of systemic racism in our, in our country and in our world, but also to talk to other people that were like-minded in some ways, because we're all members of the Junior League and we care about you know, in, improving our communities, but also coming from different backgrounds and, ele- and learning from their personal experiences and how racial injustice and inequities in our country have affected all of us differently. Um, and so I just loved that opportunity to, um, you know, I come from my own personal experience and I'm in my own little bubble and you think you're out there doing the good work and doing great things, but, and you are, but you can't do that in, in a, in a vacuum. And so that opportunity to talk to you and talk to the other ladies that were in various parts of the country, all of us were actually Southerners, which was kind of neat because we had that shared perspective as well. But, um, you know, to just see how every single day racial injustice affects us in different ways. And then also, what are we going to do about it? Like how we can't just take these three right. weeks and and learn all this and not do something. I mean, that's the the biggest l- opportunity I thought I got out of it was, okay, I can't just sit here and continue to say, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's like, no, 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 we got to keep moving it forward to make this one day you know a better world and a better community for every single person around us right right i i, I mimic every word that you
0: said, and it was just more like, what can we do about it? And it was an amazing experience for me. I know I'll never forget it. And I'm so grateful for going through it and I'm grateful for the friendships that came from it. And so I think they will be long lasting relationships. You're not getting rid of me anytime soon. So uh, (laughs) I I really am appreciative of the experience. So again, let's just jump right in. We kind of talked about last year as a backdrop of how, our relationship came about, and we made it through the explosiveness of 2020. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we survived 2020 t-shirts coming soon for everybody, and we're starting off 2021 now, and I guess how, given the year that we've just come off of, how are you approaching 2021? Are you going into it with optimism, caution, or are you looking at the world with uh, with a different point of view now. How, how are you mentally preparing and going and forging ahead in 2021, given what we just survived?
1: Yeah, well, it's yes, yes, and yes. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yes, I think, so um, just some background on me, too, is that for about 10 years, I worked at the United Way in Southeast Louisiana, overseeing development and marketing and trying to raise as much, uh, as many resources as possible for my small seven parish county for other people, seven parish region. And we realized again that the poverty, unless we move people out of poverty, we were never gonna solve any of our our community's um, challenges. And that unfortunately, um, everything we had to do, investing in moving people out of poverty had to be seen through a lens of of racism because the reason people are in poverty is is because of that situation primarily, Um, not fully, but primarily. Um, and that was so proud of that work and I loved it. And unfortunately, because doing it for 10 years, it weighed on me. It was, it was talk about struggle. I mean, it was just mentally, emotionally exhausting because I cared so much about it that I gave up everything else in my life for it. Um, you know, I think I had a friend of mine. I I just, I was unhealthy. I wasn't taking care of myself physically. I was working long hours. I was snappy. And my friends were like, you can't, you can't keep burning, you know, this like fire like this, cause you're gonna, you're gonna fizzle. And so I went to the, I was fortunate enough to get a job at the National World War II Museum, which was wonderful and it's been an amazing experience. And I really do believe in that mission of making sure that, that history does not repeat itself with the right. incredible injustice that occurred um, and, and, and tyranny that occurred across our world and learning from those lessons. And it was a little bit easier and it was a little bit more um, relaxed. And, but then as we're, you know, getting into 2020 and all the issues that are, that are taking place, I just was like, I cannot sit back. And I kind of felt like I'd sat back for, you know, two years. I had volunteered with various organizations, um, nonprofits, but I just, I just, was like I can't. This is, I can't sit here while the world is burning, yeah. you know, and, that and that not do, you know, and not do everything I can to try to fix it or, or not fix it. That's not the word, but move things forward, you know. Um, every investment that can be generated through the incredible work at the National Urban League is is helping move people out of the situation they're in, whether it's high quality education, workforce development. Um, Prisoner incarceration uh, reform, which is golly, needs so much work to be done, um, and, and the advocacy work that's that's happening, and th- the fact that I can use all those skills to drive those resources, I just, it was it was like a, I, especially after twenty twenty, I just knew I had to be involved in this work. And if it hadn't been with the Urban League, which I can't believe I, this is like the, the heaven of, of wonderful nonprofits to be, I can't, I just feel so lucky that I was even selected to do this work, but it had to be something. So I think that it was almost good that 2020, it wasn't good, but it was an eye-opening experience to have what happened in 2020 shape how I was gonna move forward in the future. I can't sit by. Um, yeah. I can't sit by and just like watch you know, people struggling and not try to do something to help. And I hope that we all feel that way in one way or another
0: Yeah, in some way, shape or form, I I agree we do. And it was it was transformative. It was a transformative year. We had a lot of time to be in isolation. And, you know, you're when you're left with yourself, you're forced to think about things, you're forced to, to, to feel what's going on. It's one thing to watch it. And then you go back into your own island in your own little bubble, and you do your thing. It's another thing when you're stuck with it and you're forced with it. And I know for me personally, during the time of social distancing, it was just constant to the point where I had to turn off the news and just kind of silence the noise. And just like you said, you, you get this burning inside of you where it's like, okay, I just can't sit and not do anything any longer. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that in your position and going into that organization it's, it's an amazing thing that you're doing and you'll be able to continue that fight and you'll actually be able to have something tangible to come out of it. And I think that's what we need for ourselves as human beings. It's one thing to sit by and watch it, but we have to do, we have to put our hands on things and kind of implement change. So I'm excited for that and I can't wait to see what comes from it. And you spoke a little bit about just what you had done for the past few years leading up to 2020 and how you got emotionally spent and you your mental was off, your physical and your health was off. And with that being said, one of the things that I did want to talk to you about is just a mental check-in. What do you do for your mental? Mental health to me is very important. I make it a priority in my life because I can speak from experience firsthand to what happens when you don't. So what do you do to make sure that with everything that's going on around us, that you keep your mental health and your physical health, but more importantly, your mental health, because without that, everything else kind of falls by the wayside. How do you keep your, how does Lee keep her mental health in check, her sanity in check?
1: Yeah. um, So a few things, I think the mental and the physical, you're right, are just so tied because so I, um, especially at the beginning of COVID, I was trying to go on walks. In, in our local park at least four times a week I just needed that quiet and zone out and you know sometimes I, w- I would have a podcast on but sometimes I would just like completely zone out to have my thoughts I think again we're all just there's attention 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 shifting all over with with the uh, People talking to us and work and and news and TV and so it was just kind of social media and I feel so old when I talk about this but um it's, it's social media but it's true and I'm the first one that I wake up in the morning I get on Instagram I'm not like pretending I'm not um, but the mental health um, aspect of just kind of turning things off for at least an hour yeah. and and being outside and I. I don't know what I would have done through COVID if I hadn't, if I didn't have the opportunity to just get out of the door and walk around. Um, and and also the mental support that and, and that my friends have provided me, you know, I've gotten to, I, in my social hours to connect, to connect with people, I would go and walk with people because that felt safer and we could be outside and, and mask, but also kind of shout from six feet while we are walking in the park. And, yeah. Just kind of making sure that I checked in with them and their well-being and they checked in on me made me feel not as alone and not as isolated in this experience. And again, those conversations we had, even through Zoom, um, through the challenge, were you know just so helpful to like remind us all that we're not alone and that we're a tiny little, you know, pebble in this cosmic world of people that are going through this. And you can't really say woe is me. I, you know, when you know, so many other people are, have it worse than you do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I do
0: some of the same things for me. My, um, like gym time is actually my mental, <laughs> like if, if you could listen, I, I was thinking the other day I was in the gym and I said, if someone didn't know anything about me and they just judged me from my playlist, they would think like, who is this person? <laughs> but that's, that's, that's my time. That, that's, that's, a form of therapy and I do some of my best thinking in those moments and then like you said you know outside nature helps to kind of feel like okay we are distant we're kind of isolated we're going through a thing here but look the sun still shines the birds still chirp like this is normal see even though we're going through a new normal these things are constant so it kind of it's it's grounding if for lack of a better word so that's awesome I'm glad you're keeping your mental health in check because that's one thing like I said it's very important to me and I know a couple of people, It's it's been really hard for them. The isolation has been hard, the separation has been different, and just this fear of the unknown has been dear, uh, different, and it can weigh on you. So um, you spoke about National Urban League, and um, as I mentioned, you have accepted that position and super excited to see what's coming with that. And I'm just going to read here because I did not memorize it, so I'll read from it. But a part of the Urban League's mission is to enable and empower African Americans and others in underserved communities to achieve their highest human potential and secure economic self-reliance, parity, power, and civil rights. Lee, what led you to this role with this organization and how do you relate to that message?
1: Uh, well, it's funny because even the when you hear the mission, it's to me, it's almost... Infuriating because it's like obviously, obviously, you know, African Americans and everyone should have access to economic empowerment and civil rights, and that's the thing that motivates me too. It's like, yeah, it's it's a basic human, um, you know, resource that every everyone should have be entitled to, and so I think that that's what has always driven me in the work I've done around social justice. Um, I went to Loyola University in New Orleans. Um, my faith is very important to me. My, I know a lot of people, um, you know, Christian faith can get thrown one way or another, but the, the Jesuit education I got from Loyola, we called ourselves Social Justice University. It was, you know, we are men and women for others. We love our lives for other people, and that's how we should be. Um, you know, framing every day in one way or another. And so coming out of that experience, um, Loyola, and then two years later was Hurricane Katrina. And so, you know, after Katrina, god 15 years later I still cry about this which is insane um but you know after Katrina when you see the things that happen to your friends and your family and your loved ones and when I say that I mean my friends that I've never met that live down the street that lose everything and have no resources to to rebuild and restart their lives and it takes years and years and years I mean it was 10 years that people were still living in trailers you know in parts of this in our region and um and after I saw, I remember seeing that and um, and I just said, oh, I can't. and it was the same thing. It's almost like the exact same thing that's happened this past summer. It's like, I said, I cannot not do something. This is completely like immoral and and, and unjust. And I'm supposed to be focusing on social justice in my life. I have to do something about it. So um, I was just so fortunate that I got to go to United Way after Katrina and, um, and help rebuild homes and help focus on early childhood education because there were so few childcare centers that were open at the time and even fewer that were high quality um and to see that you know if we're not investing in every individual's life before the age of six that's going to affect them for the rest of their lives third grade reading scores are what are sometimes determining prison beds like you know i mean it's horrific and so um i just i guess i just through my faith and through the things I learned at Loyola, I just can't not be involved in this work. And I think that I've, I feel like probably, you know, 80% of all of my friends in one way or another are doing amazing things in that space, whether it's professionally or as a volunteer or just in their words and actions and standing up for what's right and, and not backing down when people say it, say or do inappropriate things that I just feel like it's because of the way we were all um, educated in that, in that situation, starting really at Leola. That's amazing.
0: And, and just that foundation that you have, and just, you can even hear the passion, the compassion that comes out. And um, yeah, Katrina, it's amazing to even think that 15 years ago, it, it still invokes that emotion within us. And then you look at, what has happened from then until now and what's still going on. It is, it's it's very emotional to think about and it also aligns with the Urban League's mission that whether it's African-Americans or anyone that's in a situation where they just need help, Mm -hmm. where we need equality, where we need social justice and for people to recognize. I think the most important thing in terms of changing anything or any type of reform is admitting that there's a problem. And we spoke about this during our challenge. And one of my main staples is we can't fix a lot of what's wrong in the country until we actually are brave enough to say that there's something wrong. You know, like this bad thing happened, Mm -hmm. you know, it it happened, Mm -hmm. it happened a lot. And because it happened, here we are. And we can't fix where we are until, until we address that. And um, yeah, I, I'm emotional thinking about it. I'm emotional thinking about Katrina. I knew people who were personally affected by that and dislocated from that. And they have just never really been quite the same since then. And even from then into now and everything in between, every, it's just, it can be overwhelming. But I think you kind of hit on it, the faith aspect of it and that, that's what's in you, and it kind of helps to drive you to doing the good work and fighting the good fight. It's healing. Mm-hmm. It's healing because to be selfless is therapeutic. To be selfless and to give of others, it's healing. And I, and I honestly believe that's what we were designed to do. So um yeah. Now I'm getting bored. <laughs> I think we probably cried every other
1: day when we were doing the challenge, and so this is no different. <laughs> We can't you. <laughs> exactly, I've already got my Kleenex out. Sorry, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, to be selfless is selfish. Everything, you know, all the things that I have the ability to do, it's for my own mental benefits because I need to do it. I mean, it's it, um in its form that way. But I wanted to draw back to something you said about. The, the learning and the this history, because I think that even through all of the things that we knew before we got into this challenge and the things that a lot of people don't know is the history and the, and the facts of what have happened and why they've happened. And I think a lot of people, and I've had those conversations, things I didn't know before we went through this challenge and went through, golly, how many, seven readings a day yeah um, and videos and interviews and and things that you know unless you're uh, you know professor or educated specifically in that space that you sometimes don't know of everything and to be able to say do you know why this happened do you know why people are in the situations they're in do you know why there's poverty in these specific communities it's not just because people weren't working hard enough it was because of historical systemic problems that have been occurring and we can give you the dates and the times and the people and the situations where it happened. And I think yeah. that that has been really informative too in and I, I want more people to know about this. And that I wish there was more of a channel to share these resources of education with everyone and not just our, you know what was it 200 people that went through our little challenge yeah it should be so more widespread
0: yeah and i think like we talked about even during that time it's amazing just what we think we learn in school mm-hmm. you know and, and even this month you know it, it, we're, we're we're having this conversation in the month of february and it's black history month
1: yeah.
0: i feel a way about black history month and 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 uh, naturally of course i do and it's not that I'm not appreciative uh, or you know, I don't want to celebrate the accomplishments that Black people have contributed to this country. I, I'm all for it, but you can't bottle it and I don't want the message to get lost in the packaging. Mm-hmm. Well, Black History Month, we talked about it in Black History Month. So on March 1st, what happens? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> on yeah. June 5th. Is Black history still important then? Like, you know, what are we talking? Let's not, we can uh, celebrate and we can accomplish it. <clears throat> and here's the kicker, it's Black History Month, but there's still organizations and people who don't even acknowledge that.
1: Yeah, I know. You know,
0: we, we just celebrated the MLK holiday and we have people that don't acknowledge or celebrate that. Right. And so... It's hard for me while I'm appreciative and I I love my ancestors, everything that I am here because of their fight and their blood, sweat and tears. And so any mean or any time to celebrate that, I'm all for it. I just don't want to diminish because it could kind of it's kind of a double edged sword here and you celebrate it on one instinct. But then afterwards, do you diminish it? It needs to be just as important every day. So yeah, that's my soapbox. Didn't mean to go there, but you no, know, it's, I hear you. It's I hear you. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when we talk about it in terms of education and what people know, it it, it, it does not need to be, you know, in, in middle school, they teach you about Martin Luther King had a dream, Rosa Parks re, refused to give a first seat on the bus, these are traditional things. And while again, I celebrate all of those things, but we need to kind of peel back those layers if we're going to systemic issues and things happen over time Mm -hmm. and they're not one thing that you can put in chapter two paragraph one in a book so in order to face those we really have to take a hard unfiltered uncensored look at that and be ready to face it and that's how we heal from it but they don't teach us that in school
1: and I think there's no healing or even um discomfort and I remember that was one of the biggest things that I appreciated is that we were, when we got into this, we were like, we're sitting in the discomfort. We, there's only, the only way we're going to learn is if we all real like sit in that and and and, yeah. and be vulnerable and, and take each other's feelings and histories and opinions to heart. And there is no discomfort conversation, you know, in, in education and in school books, to my knowledge, again, I'm not, a, I'm not an educator, but um, there's not a, in my, from what I have heard or learned that kind of open dialogue about where white people, how people feel and what has happened. And so I think there maybe should be a little bit more discomfort, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, 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 and those tough conversations needed to be, you know, they need to happen. They need to happen often and people need to, you know, get out of the comfort zone and you know i i hear people a lot of times and i am participate in a, a quite a few things where people say you know well i'm an ally <laughs> ally to me is almost a, a trigger word because it's like oh really what does that mean to me and i, and I think i've shared this week you know when i think of an ally you're toe to toe shoulder to shoulder ready to go to war with me if you're not that you might not want to say i'm an ally and, and, and it's to no discredit of that person, because it, it takes a lot to do that. I mean, you may risk relationships with friends, family, et cetera. So it takes a lot to go against what's always been the norm. But just be open, I think, is the best thing we can do. You, know, I mean, you don't have to have these fancy or cliche terms to attach to it. Just be open and willing to learn. And I think from that, we can at least start. So...
1: No, I agree. Yeah. I, I think I've, I've never, ever used that word. I think that it's, it's, um, it's almost like that conversation we had about people posting all the things that they do on social media. Yeah. You know, it's, it feels to me so um, it, unauthentic and disingenuous. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, just do the work, just do it. Yeah. Don't do it for people, um, what they, what they say or what they learn about you, just do it because it's important. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, even that word "I'm an ally." People will know you're an ally if you really are one. If you're actually doing yeah. it, work. you don't have to say it. It'll, it'll you don't. Have to
0: say it. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll come across. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we just, we just, we we just talked about a lot there, which yeah. we tend to do when we get together and talk. Which is great, though, because I think it's a, it, it's teachable moments and learning moments like that that help. I, certainly, they help me. Okay. So, with everything that's going on in your busy world, just kind of back to. The struggle, because the name of the podcast, like I said, is sometimes I struggle and I struggle. I'm a hot, struggling mess right now. I've been struggling just to get to this point to even sit down and have this conversation today. And, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes you just need to relax and unwind and kind of reflect and woosa and detox. What are some of the things that Lee does to just kind of, OK, I'm done. Power off. Turning this down. How, how do you relax and kind of detach?
1: it doesn't happen often. (laughs) My brain, my brain doesn't turn off. Um, I, I, you know, you probably in the same uh, situation, Tanisha, I wake up in the middle of the night, just like, thinking about all the things that, that I have to do and the, what I could do and things that are seven months in advance that I, I need to do. And so it's very hard for me to turn things off. I try to get in bed an hour before I even need to go to sleep just to start winding down. Cause it takes, um, it takes a lot for me um, to get there. The walks help. Um, and then even when I don't get to go on walks, it's like, then there's the guilt of not getting the walks so of that. <laughs> You know, that is the, in the brain, um, I'm sure, and I hate generalizing, but I think a lot of times as females we're just like, I didn't do this, right, I didn't do that right. And and so that's something I struggle with every single second of the day, is thinking about how I could have done things better in, in one way or another. And so, especially when it's quiet time, it's like, you want to turn it off, but then you just start thinking about all the things that you could be doing better. Yeah, and, it
0: right. and then the same, like it just kind of echoes when it's quiet. I used to tell people like I don't like the quiet, and now I love the quiet. I had to learn to enjoy the quiet, but quiet times I did not like because I felt like in the silence it was, you didn't do that, were you supposed to do this? Could you have done it better? But what did what happens? Do you think they thought this way? What do you think? Who even really cares? And yeah. I think we we, we kind of do that. And like I, two o'clock in the morning, sitting straight up, like oh my god, did I forget to do this? Is the teapot still on? I mean, just anything <laughs> like the yes. most random thing will pop into my head. And I had to learn to kind of just, I have my things, I'll roll over if I wake up. Mm, let me press the calm app. Miss Tamara Levitt
1: has talked me to sleep several nights. I love Tamara. I love her. I love her. It's <laughs> the two in the morning, I've got to get to bed app. Yes. <laughs> I,
0: I, and it's so sad because it helps, and I even know it by heart. If you're listening, that's because you have awakening, you can't get back to sleep. And it's like, Yes, Tamara, I can't help me.
1: <laughs> exactly. I love it. We've never we never talked about
0: our things, we find our things, and, and, and it helps. So, yeah, and I, I I, I, I'm, I'm not a. a, a a salesperson for calm, but I recommend calm out to anyone who just kind of needs that it is some very useful tools on there also. They <laughs> yeah. We've talked about a lot today, but before I let you go, I'm just going to shoot off a couple of random quick fire things and you got like two seconds to answer. Okay, and it's just just a kind of a little fun, even though we've already broken the ice should have done this at the beginning, but there's no ice between us, we just. Right. Talk. <laughs> so, um, if you had to choose. And you got to make these answers. Don't think about it. Just go. Manny or Petty? Petty. A facial or full body massage? Facial. Walk at sunset or a walk at sunrise? Sunrise. Okay. And you're a New Orleans girl. Settle mm-hmm. the debate for us Is it New Orleans, New Orleans, or Nylons?
1: It is New Orleans, and do not ever say the other, <laughs> no one say the other two because they'll know you're not from here, <laughs> New Orleans.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. It's been fun. I've had a great time. I think we can talk and talk, and we'll look up, and it'll be three hours from now, and we're still talking. 100%. So, If people want to get in contact with you, do you have any social media or anything that you want to share for people to keep in contact with you?
1: Sure, yeah, you can follow me on Facebook. Um, I'm Lee, L-E-I-G-H, Thorpe, T-H-O-R-P-E. I think I'm uh, I'm the only Lee Thorpe out there. But um, yeah, I I try to just, you know, again, share great things that are happening around the community that people can get involved in and invest in. And hopefully now with this new job, I can do it with great things that are happening around the whole country. So I'm very excited about that. So yeah, you can check me out there and um, I'll try to be more active in in, um, spreading the good word.
0: amazing and you can also learn more about the national urban league you can visit their website at nul.org and you can learn about all of their programs lead kind of mentioned some of them but there's a really cool program that i was reading about the other day that deals with um you know being reacclimated coming from the prison system back into the community i think that's a great program that um will be very useful with kind of dealing with that pipeline that we've talked about in the past and but you can visit their site again it's nul.org and you can learn about their programs and support their mission and you can also since you're going and doing things and following and going to websites don't forget to subscribe and like this podcast you can find it on itunes on spotify and anywhere where you listen to podcasts so
1: that is it that's all I have for you, Lee. Thanks, Tanisha. This is so fun. I wish I had two more hours
0: to just chat. I know, right? Well, we'll definitely have to do this again. You won't be a one-time guest. I just, I love talking to you. It's just so natural and organic. And I'm, I'm so glad that you took your time out, your busy day to sit down and talk with me for a little bit.
1: Thank you, ma'am. There's no one I'd rather talk with.
0: Oh man, thank you and thank you guys for listening to sometimes I struggle stay tuned we got a lot of good stuff in store, so you just have to stay tuned and subscribe to find out talk to you soon.